Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. It's September 30th, 1965, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Aria, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. So today in history in 1965, a bomb was placed on the world's first hypersonic atomic-powered airliner (laughs) on its maiden flight from London to Tokyo. But only once the plane was in the air did the bomber reveal that the explosive device was set to auto-detonate from the impact of landing, leading the team from International Rescue to scramble for the first ever time in, yes, you guessed it, the very first episode of the hit marionette TV show Thunderbirds. That was very clever, although, of course, the episode wasn't set in 1965, was it? It wasn't on this day. It was, it was like in 2019 or something. But anyway. Although, to be fair, I'm not sure I would have guessed it because I don't think I've ever watched any Thunderbirds. They didn't seem to show it very often when I was growing up. When I looked into it, when they first repeated it on BBC in 1991, this episode, called Trapped in the Sky, drew 7 million And viewers. I was one of those people because that's when I was 10. Yes, and in fact, that decision to have it simultaneously appeal to both adults and children was very much the thinking of Thunderbirds' co-creators, Jerry and Sylvia Anderson, who had already been working for a while in the area of these kind of uh, puppet-based shows. Please, please, super marionation. Yes, super marionation, (laughs) which is the most bizarre technique, and I had no idea that this was what was going on behind the scenes, but apparently the marionettes themselves had these inbuilt responders that activated their lips. But anyway, they had this uh, this technique down pat and then they came up with this show uh, that was actually inspired by quite an unusual event, which was a disaster that involved West German miners in 1963. I shouldn't be laughing, it was, it was terribly tragic, but basically a bunch of miners got stuck beneath the earth and while some of them were actually pulled out, a bunch of them didn't make it and it got uh, Jerry Anderson to think that it would have been really useful had there been an international rescue brigade who could have come to their assistance. And so he ploughed that idea into this concept that he was working on for a new show. Yeah, but not necessarily something that's perfectly suited for puppets. And I am going to call (laughs) them puppets rather than marionettes for for this portion of the show. Because I'd always assumed before I looked into this that Jerry Anderson must have been a sort of puppet Walt Disney. You know, Mm. growing up playing with them, wanting to work with them, expressing himself through them, thinking that you know, the, the ultimate expression of art would be through these things. No, not at all. Like, he wanted to be a serious filmmaker. He set up AP Films with the desire to make a variety of live-action stuff, and it just so happened... I mean, they were about to close shop, but it just so happened that their first gig was making a commercial for Ricicles with a puppet of Noddy. And because <laughs> they had experience working with a puppet, a children's author of another book called Twizzle 
approached them and said, I'm trying to pitch a series based on my books. Can you make it? Because you know how to work with puppets. And then he got trapped in this pigeonhole as the puppet guy. Yeah, it was never his intention. And I think that's where the term super marionation came from, was the fact that Anderson himself felt a little bit ambiguous about puppets as a whole. He wasn't, as you say, passionate about puppetry. And he recognised that puppets had this naff overtone of being either, you know, sort of cheap children's TV show or something you might see at an end of the pier theatre. And so super marionation, which combines super marionette and animation, was supposed to differentiate his productions from that sort of thing. And they were like, they are high quality, you know, as far mm, as marionettes are, yeah. go, you can't beat them. They had this, you mentioned it earlier, I think, Gary, and they had this electrode thing in their head so that when they played, they converted the audio recordings of the dialogue into electrical pulses and the pulses would make their mouths move, which was clever they also mm. had so i had i've never seen pictures of them off stage as you were uh, if you will and i looked them up they're about one oh, third no, you didn't look at a lifeless captain's girl <laughs> a lifeless they're they're about one third of life size which is huge, by the way. Which is actually thought, much bigger than you would think. That is impractical for making the massive sets that they'd need consequently it's, to keep these things going. It's large. They were sculpted by Christine Glanville and Mary Turner, and they created three heads for each of the main characters, which could be screwed on and off as required. So all of the Tracys had a smiler, a frowner, and a blinker. <laughs> Well, I suppose the technology in a way got replaced by stop motion, didn't it? Before eventually, obviously, it became computer animation. But if you think about the kind of thing that Cosgrove Hall went on to do in the 80s, you know, Wind in the Willows was the one that I really liked, but there was a whole bunch of series like that, weren't there, leading all the way up to Fireman Sam and things like that. The models in those things are surprisingly large as well. Mm. And I actually went on a tour of the Cosgrove Hall studios in Manchester before they shut it down, and I held Toad in my arms. And <laughs> he's big. I mean, like, actually really big for a toad. But I mean, assuming that toad is basically a man. It's complicated, the Wind of the Willows. Um, he's like two foot. Small like man, giant toad. Yeah. And I said to them, like, why is he? Because so? I always imagined that those figures would be like, you know, two inches. Yeah. Um, but the reason is because in stop motion, if, if they move even slightly, then obviously the shot's ruined. So they need to be a certain size to have the robotics in them that cost thousands so that they don't disrupt the shot. And actually, I guess maybe a large marionette is easier to handle on a film set by a full-grown human than a small one is because you, you don't want them to suddenly flop down. Do you yes. And maybe it also offered the kind of subtlety that they were looking for because, again, this was quite high-end stuff that they were producing. I mean, I still find it funny that it wasn't ultimately picked up by US television networks, which is why there were only ever two series of it made and 32 episodes in total. Yeah, it was very, very important from the beginning that it would appeal to an international audience and particularly an American network who would be willing to pay big fat bucks to show it in the States, which explains... Well, it explains why when you look at it, it doesn't have the sort of quintessential British charm that you come to expect from those nostalgic TV series of the 60s and 70s. You know, everything is actually quite stripped away of British culture, apart from Lady Penelope and Parker, who really stand up. But that sort of pairing, you know, the the quintessential British aristocrat and the cockney chauffeur, that is something that an American TV show would put into something to be mm. the British bit. It doesn't seem like a homegrown thing. And that was all very deliberate. And the five brothers were named after the Mercury 7, who were the first batch of NASA astronauts. Keep in mind, there are five brothers and there were seven astronauts. So you had Scott, John, Virgil, Gordon and Alan made it to the lineup of Tracy names. And poor old Wally and Deke from the Mercury 7. Bad Deke. They were the ones who got it's, left out. It's clear you why could, Wally was left out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You couldn't imagine Busted singing about Deke, could you? <laughs> 
would eventually be shown in the States. But it sounds like what happened initially was that Lou Grade saw how popular it was in the UK and he just kept asking for higher and higher prices. And there were lots of moments where NBC or ABC were really close to actually buying it, but he would just ratchet up the price again. And eventually they all pulled out. And he just announced, you said there were 32 episodes. Well, and Series 1 was 26 of those episodes. Series 2 was sort of called off very early. It was shown in the States, I think, in 1968 originally. And it did seem to have some sort of impact there. Supposedly, George Lucas was really influenced by the sets that were created for Thunderbirds because they were deliberately, they'd throw in pieces of model making kits and children's toys and then they'd deliberately dirty them up to make them look worn down and realistic, which is then what mm. George Lucas obviously would go on to do in Star Wars. It did have an impact in the States, even if it didn't take off in the way that they had hoped. But it did actually end up doing well in Australia and Canada and Japan. And then the Andersons did go on to have a successful show in the US. But that one was apparently more palatable to US networks because it featured darker themes of alien aggression and interplanetary war. And maybe that's what went on here, that Thunderbirds was caught for them between being something like a kid's show, but also a bit too grown up for kids and a bit too kiddie for grown ups. And it showed that you could make something in the most unlikely of environs and mimic Hollywood at its own game as well. You're talking about Slough? <laughs> Worth mentioning that AP Films was based in what is now a tyre garage in Slough and before was an industrial estate in Slough. I mean, extraordinary, really. It's mm. just so well thought through as well. Like the yeah. fact, I mean, I know it's, I, you know, it's not an original thought, but the fact it starts with five you know, and straight yeah, away you're like great. into the countdown and what's going to happen, something exciting. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, every 10, 20 seconds, something cool happens. And also so obviously made for merch. Like you could just yeah. easily imagine every child of the generation that watched it first wanting all of the Thunderbirds and every single sub-vehicle that went inside the big vehicles and all of that. Uh, yeah, like having seen all of the merch that came out in the 90s, obviously knowing that it's a very merchy franchise, watching the opening credits... You can totally see how that was built into the show because the credits yeah. literally start with a shot of the model of yeah. each of the main characters. Here are five toys to ask yeah. your parents yeah. for. And now the show. If you're a kid, you don't even have to convert them from a real person or a cartoon person. They're literally showing you the toy. Yeah, I suppose it tells you quite a lot about me that you probably would have been able to surmise already that even though I was really into the revival of Thunderbirds in the 90s and I did get the merch that I wanted from the series, it wasn't Thunderbirds 2. It was a clipboard with a picture of brains on it. <laughs> Which I still have. And so another week of retrospecting ends. But next week begins a day early at Club Retrospectors. Join us now to get an exclusive episode every Sunday. Patreon.com slash retrospectors. Part of the ACAST Creator Network. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.